mental toughness with Dr. Rob Bell. Each week, Dr. Rob sits down with athletes, executives, and expert coaches to talk about mental toughness and their hinge moment. Here's your host, Dr. Rob. my meditation teacher before going he said you know use this this trip almost as like a as like a journey or a ritual he said take something that used to have value that doesn't anymore and so I gave him my my business card and he said okay now when you go to Japan he said take that and kind of release it so you can have closure and and start to move on so I did that. I went, it was the beginning of cherry blossom season and uh, my mom works for the airline. So it's very easy for me to hop on planes. And I hopped on a plane with my little brother and we went over to Japan. And when I was there, the I've always loved cherry blossoms. And I decided to, it was like late at night. My brother is a photographer. He loves taking pictures at night. I found this beautiful cherry blossom kind of um, glistening in the moonlight. And I said, you know what? I'm going to put this business card here. And I kind of buried it underneath the cherry blossom tree. Folks, when I finished my 100 miler, I was happy to be done, but I wasn't finished. The reason why my legs weren't completely bonked from running was that I used PR lotion by Momentus. It simply eliminated any lactic acid buildup in my legs, and it's the best product I've ever used. Momentus is a leading nutrition and supplement company which works with over 150 professional and collegiate sports teams. No other company has the accolades of being awarded six innovation contracts from the Department of Defense for Human Performance. Since I started using PR Lotion, I now use their plant-based protein, collagen peptides, and recovery formula. Look, if performing is important to you, do yourself a favor. Go to livemomentous.com. And for listening today, you get the best part, a discount. Enter code DRB20 for 20% off your order. That's DRB and the number 20. LiveMomentous.com. Optimize, perform, and recover. LiveMomentous.com. Our guest today is a chocolatier. She is in charge of a women-owned business in New York City. They specialize international high-quality chocolate truffles and bars. Each flavor tells a story. The vision is to celebrate the beauty of diversity through chocolate. Live by love is her personal mantra. She has testimonies from Sting, Warren Buffett, Hillary Clinton, just to name a few. Our guest is owner, Melaine Jardine, chocolatier. Melaine, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. Absolutely. So your mother was, was health conscious, right? So in order to get any cookies in the house, you, you had to bake them. Yes. Completely we self-taught? Were, yeah. I mean, we, she liked us to eat grape nuts, like more of the healthy cereals. And I, it, it's almost like I wanted to do the opposite. I always wanted sugar. So I would like sneak, you know, chocolate chip 
soups and all these ingredients on the shopping list. And I'd, my father would buy them. And my mom agreed because she felt, you know, I was being constructive. I wasn't watching TV. I was creating. So I was allowed to like create things with sugar, but no like buying cookies and, and cake. She wasn't really a fan of that. Yeah. I actually liked grape nuts like growing up though. <laughs> yeah, I really did. I loved them. That's you. So, I mean, so that's how you got started. I mean, just completely self-talk, reading uh, cooking books and just really got into it. Yeah. Like I could, I, when I first started, it was more like cookies and cakes. I was just a kid. I was having fun. And then as I got older, like in college, I started to play around with chocolate a little bit and I made this chocolate truffle recipe and everyone seemed to really, to really love it. So then I would some of my friends, if they got married, I would do favors for them or bridal showers. I kind of did this on the side, even after graduating college. But I went into corporate America and as I kind of rose in the ranks there, it, it took it took up a lot of my time. So I, I stopped it. And after 12 years in corporate, I got laid off and I was building brands uh, for Macy's fashion brands, their private labels. And I said, you know what, let me like try building my own brand, but let me do chocolate instead of garments and fashion. And in my eyes, I thought it would be like much easier because I saw all that went into a garment. I would go to factories, all the different components that would, we'd have to fly over to the factories and the timing. I was like, making chocolate would be so much easier. It's just, you know, we're in a kitchen and we put all the ingredients together and it is easier than a garment, but it is challenging starting on your own and not having a ginormous company with a lot of money and resources. Mm -hmm. So when, when Macy's, when Macy's consolidated 2016, I mean, you still, I mean, looking back now, you kind of had a head start on everybody because a lot of people got laid off then. Yes. Your vision started to take hold. Walk us through then before we kind of get into the whole journey. I mean, walk us through like you had a ceremony like with your business card to kind of symbolize that that transition. Talk talk to us about that. Like what you did right after. I was I was devastated because I it was the only job I I had. I was I was there 12 years and I enjoyed it. You know, I got to go to Asia to see factories. I got to go to Europe to oversee trend. And I work with a lot of like my friends. They were almost like family, the people I was working with. So I decided to take a trip to Japan. At the time I had been there in the past, I really enjoyed going there. It's like and one of your favorite I, places, right? Yes. And I had my meditation teacher before going. He said, you know, use this, this trip almost as like a as like a journey or a ritual, he said, take something that used to have value that doesn't anymore. And so I gave him my, my business card and he said, okay, now when you go to Japan, he said, take that and kind of release it so you can have closure and, and start to move on. So I did that. I went, it was the beginning of cherry blossom season and uh, my mom works for the airline. So it's, very easy for me to hop on planes. And I hopped on a plane with my little brother and we went over to Japan. And when I was there, the I've always loved cherry blossoms. And I decided to, it was like late at night. My brother is a 
photographer. He loves taking pictures at night. I found this beautiful cherry blossom kind of um, glistening in the moonlight. And I said, you know what? I'm going to put this business card here. And I kind of buried it underneath the cherry blossom tree. And So your old career is now a cherry blossom tree. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. So that's Go what ahead. I used as my logo. So right. like when I was... When I was there, I kind of, you know, I was fantasizing, like, what do I, what do I do next? I love chocolate. Like, can I really do this? So um, when I used to uh, work at Macy's, we would do like competitive shopping around. It was like a, the same timeline of when I would normally be overseas visiting different countries for inspiration for the line. So I said, you know what, let me like turn this into my own competitive shopping sourcing trip. So I went to all the different confectionaries in Japan and just kind of like studied their desserts, um, how they were packaged, the different flavors. And um, when I came back, I hired a business coach and I was like, you know what, I can I can do this. And he realized I was a bit more of a visual person than a um, than kind of writing down a business plan. So he said take all different pictures and kind of he laid out all the elements of the business plan and said, put pictures um, to create it. And I kept putting cherry blossoms on this like vision board. And I was like, Oh, that's going to be my logo. That was kind of the story of, of how I, I guess started to like give birth to the brand. Yeah. I love it. So starting, I mean, obviously you're in the creative space, a hinge moment happens where consolidation at Macy's occurs. You have now this idea, this vision. What was the, I guess, what was the moment that you kind of remember about going all in? Um, I just, I just wanted it. It was just like a moment when I, I didn't want to do anything else. Like I had, I'd work with a lot of different vendors and, you know, they had, some of them had offered me some opportunities and I was exploring them. And I was just like, this isn't, this isn't what I want to do. Um, I don't, I don't want to do this. And I decided to just kind of like use the severance that I had, um, you know, I'd been there a long time and they, they were very generous um, with what, and I, um, I happened to have performed well the year before. So they even gave me like, my bonus, which was a very good part of my salary. And I was like, I'm just going to like go for it and, and put this money towards, towards starting this. I love it. And um, throughout this process, what were some moments that kind of stand out to you about, you know, this is going to work. This is successful. I mean, this is helping people. What were some moments that stand out? I felt good. Like it made me, there was like a, I guess a feeling of a feeling of being satisfied of just genuinely feeling like I'm like I'm making a difference. And there was a lot of people that were kind of like watching me after I left too. And there were a lot of people that were laid off. And so I felt like this could be, you know, a good chance to try to branch off and do something really, really different and give people um, just like a glide path to just going in a different direction and not just, working for a vendor or a, you know, a competitor of Macy's just kind of, we just, we had so many great skills that we were taught there that could just be transferred to, 
to another business. And I guess, you know, it's like you almost get little, um, and it's hard. I mean, there's definitely like moments of doubt, but then you, you get like little, um, little glimpses of like what it can be. And you get opportunities that are just really get you excited. Like the excitement behind like closing a deal or getting a new account, that, that feeling that happiness was, was greater than any deal I did for Macy's. I did million dollar deals. And even if it was like, you know, my first deal that was like $10,000, it felt so much better. Why, why do you think that is? Cause it was yours. It was doing something that I loved. Yeah. It was mine. Um, it was just, it was, yeah. I, it just felt really, it felt really good. Hey, good looking. If you like this podcast and are already a badass, but it's all way too complicated, then visit our website, drrobbell.com, and schedule a call with us to help capture your very own hinge moment. And yeah. I kept getting like little glimpses, like my, um, I got introduced to, my brother actually introduced me to a company that he worked with. It was like very high-end luxury jewelry. They were my first account and I was able to then, they wanted to see a prototype. So I promised them a prototype before I even really have the company figured out. So I knew like, okay, if I want to get this account, I have to like figure all of this out. So it, it gave me um, a really good timeline to work off of. Because sometimes when you have like so much to do, it's like, where do I even start? Right. But when you have like a carrot dangling in front of you, you like go after that carrot. And that's like you get one carrot and then you want another one, and you want another one. Um, I was fortunate a few, a few months in, I connected with someone who got my chocolates on like Victor private jets and that's where Hillary Clinton was on the flight. And she gave me like my first true letter of testimonial. Um, I happened to be at like a, a BNI meeting. I was, I was substituting for someone. I was learning all about the world of like network, right. being an entrepreneur. So I had no idea. I was in BNI for a while. Yeah. And one yeah. of the gentlemen there was a real estate agent and he, um, he was closing Sting's apartment in the city. And he was like, you know what? I'm going to take your chocolates and use it as a closing gift for Sting. And then that's how. So it was just like all these, these like wonderful little gifts I was getting that just kind of um, offset some of the challenges. You just focus on like the good and then you keep going. Nice. Did you get a thank you letter from him? I did not get a thank you letter from him. But oh, the okay. real estate agent that I work with said that he enjoyed them. Yeah, absolutely. What a great idea. No, it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so during COVID, I mean, you you took your chocolates to healthcare workers. Yes. Can you talk about that that experience? Yeah, there was so much panic, right? That was going on, and I had a few months before COVID, I had been on a trip 
with a bunch of my friends and we had started like a WhatsApp group and they were all in the medical field. So they were all, um, they were all talking about what was going on. So I got to see, I'm the only one that's not in the medical field on this chat. I think sometimes they, you know, and they go off on tangents and all these medical terms that I don't really understand, but I was just, <laughs> so I got like a, a, a firsthand glimpse of what was going on that I didn't see on the news. And what was the most um, stressful for them was just the uncertainty. They didn't feel supported. They didn't feel appreciated. Like they were re, you know, told to just kind of reuse their N95s and they were just seemed so, so like sad and, and depressed. So I like, what I do when I'm sad and depressed is I eat, I eat chocolate. That's, that's my way. I, that's why I'm a chocolatier. So I was like, let me just like give them chocolate. So I like walked all the way over to the, um, I live on the West side of Manhattan. I walked all the way over to hospital on the, the upper East side. Cause it was like, you know, you were afraid to take subways and I sure. hand delivered all this chocolate to them and ones that weren't in New York, I shipped to them and they all just started like, posting about like how happy they were and saying thank you and then I was working with a with a different business coach at the time and she said why don't you turn this into a program where people can buy chocolate for these healthcare workers so I said okay I'm gonna like share the the burden of that um so I kind of lowered it so everything was just um at cost some of them slightly below cost so that whoever purchased chocolates then um I would send them then to different healthcare workers and they, all of my friends that were kind of scattered across the U S at so many different hospitals, they would then give me names of, and, you know, different departments of people there. And then that's how I, I kind of started it. And then it took kind of legs of its own and, and grew. So everyone, you know, everyone got like a nice little letter with the chocolate to let them know, you know, why they were receiving it. And of course they were all just really happy that someone was, you know, saying thank you and, and realizing the, what they were doing for other people. And, and they had that little moment of happiness Mm -hmm. and then that makes me happy. Right. It's like a good thing. So quick question. So you're helping them out. Do you think that, uh, I mean, did they help you out at the same time? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, when, it kind of caught on the New York times found out about it and they wrote an article about it. So that definitely helped me get some brand awareness. Mm -hmm. Um, That was like another nice gift that I wasn't planning on. It just happened. And so what is it? Let's get into like, let's get into the chocolate. Mm -hmm. Talk to us, educate us, entertain us on what is it about chocolate? And then specifically, what is it about your chocolate? Um, I've always loved chocolate. I guess growing up, I, my mom is from Paris. So the first time I went there, I remember going into like a a fonction. It was like a a high-end patisserie. And I remember seeing these, you know, these beautiful chocolate confections. And that wasn't really in the U.S. yet. I feel like Godiva is like the first company to really um, bring like, you know, truffles and pralines and stuff to the, and bonbons to the U S but I saw it as a young kid and I was just mesmerized by like the beautiful boxes and the gifts Mm. and the, the, how one little like piece of chocolate can have so much different flavor when you 
put these infusions inside, or even if it's just, you know, dark chocolate, when you have these confections, there's like a play of, of texture that, you know, almost reminded me of in working in the garnishery, there was a lot of play of textures and patterns and the, you know, the crisp shell with like the creamy inside of a truffle. I liked that, that kind of contrast and I love the taste of it. Um, my mom would, she would actually like hide some chocolate from us <laughs> hers, and I used to like find it and, and eat it. So I guess I saw it as like this coveted, you know, sweet that even though my mm. mom wasn't a huge fan of, of sugar, because chocolate, if you have dark chocolate, there's not a lot of sugar in it. She still loved it. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is a candy that my mother actually approves of. Nice. Tell us about like each flavor tells a story. Yeah. So what I did, well, I used some of my, more of my mother's influence. So a lot of times when you're, when you're making truffles, when you're making that ganache that inside, it's like fresh butter, um, cream and chocolate and then infusions. A lot of pastry chefs add glucose to kind of help emulsify and keep it together. I don't add any glucose to it. Cause I feel like I don't want to add sugar. The chocolate itself has sugar in it. Why, why add more to it? Right. So that was like one of the, the differences in my recipes. And then while traveling as a kid, and then even in my career, I was always intrigued by food and flavors. And I would always pick up different ideas. And like when I was, I used to go to Egypt a lot for work. Um, and whenever you go to the pyramid, you get like hibiscus tea. That's the tea of the gods. And then when you go to like a tea shop there and just get like black tea, they always ground it in the fresh mint. And I was like, this is, this is amazing. It's so like mm-hmm. little elements I took right away. I started putting like fresh mint in all of my teas and, and playing around. And then I played around with like the hibiscus and the mint. And I was like, Oh, this is like a, a good combo, not just in the, in the black tea, but if I make hibiscus tea at home and put mint in it, it tastes really good. So I took that concept and then applied it to a truffle, taking fresh mint, brewing it in the cream, taking real hibiscus, brewing it in the cream. And I got the idea from, from Egypt. So that was my Egypt inspired truffle. And then I decided like, well, let's give them little, little names, right? And storytelling. So that one I named goddess. And that was after traveling there, I learned not just about like the, the male pharaohs, there were female pharaohs like Hatshepsut, Cleopatra. So these kind of ancient goddesses. And then Mm -hmm. the CEO of one of the factories that I worked with the most in the heart of Cairo was a woman. And I found that fascinating. This was about like 10, maybe 12 years ago before the revolution. I was going there a lot and letting people know about some of these like these good stories, this light that happens in different countries, because you don't really see any positive things about women in leadership roles in the Middle right. East, but it, it does exist. So, and that's, that's part of the fun of traveling, right? When you're on the ground, you kind of get to see things with your own eyes and, and then sharing these stories. And then people, you know, might like Egyptian culture more after they, they hear about some of these stories and they, they taste some of these foods. And that's, that's the concept behind the brand. Yeah. So just a quick little tangent on that. I mean, all the traveling and all the years that you've done, what what's something you've discovered about people? 
I feel like they're we're all really similar. We're all really similar. Mm-hmm. And when you sit down and you get to know someone where you we're all connected, even if we're like, you know, we're different colors, we have different beliefs. Um, that was one thing I loved learning about a lot of the different religions. Um, growing up, my parents were two different religions, actually. So there was a lot of, of like conflict internally in the house because it, it was almost like my parents were competing each of us to be their religion so what, I, were their, what were their religions if you don't mind me asking uh my father was catholic and my mother's a jehovah's witness okay so very you know very strict um sure jehovah's Witnesses were did and, you have did you have birthdays well i did because my father was catholic okay. but it was like confusing because it was like my father would be happy with them my mother would not be happy and i was like my birthday a good thing i think uh yeah <laughs> so it led to, I guess, me being an interesting, slightly quirky person. Uh, but like in Egypt, I learned a lot about the Muslim culture that I knew nothing about. And, you know, how, how much they adored the women there and supported them. And I was often a lot, you know, a lot of times, at the, except for the one factor, there's that woman CEO. Most of the time, it was just kind of me with a bunch of these, um, these business men and, you know, I got to hear very intricate stories about, you know, how much they cared about their families, their wives, their kids. And it was just heartwarming to kind of, you know, get to know all these people's stories and see that there was like a lot of good in people. Yeah. Is that where live by love started to yes. come out? Yes. Um, when I first started, I had trouble, I guess, finding like my words And one of my best friends at the time, uh, she's a writer. And so she kind of helped me. um, I sometimes it's like your, your best friend knows you better than yourself. And she would kind of help me put these ideas and words together. Uh, Joanne and she, she came up with the, the I love. And I was like, Oh, that is exactly how I feel. Mm -hmm. So the, um, the entrepreneur journey. Mm -hmm. So people that are listening to this, I mean, it's about mental toughness. When you tie that into your entrepreneur journey, what, what do you think is like the, one of the biggest lessons that you've learned through, through starting your company, your brand and and where it's been going there? It's almost like it's, you have to be mentally tough. Um, Your, your brain can go off on such tangents of doubt and they spiral and then they control your day they control um, your outcome. It's really having to kind of almost rewire the way I was operating before to be more, more positive and to know that if I'm, you know, not having a good day, maybe to just like take a break and not necessarily push through until I'm in like a, a better mental place, especially when I do a lot of sales pitching um, and really putting myself out there. I really need to be in the right state of mind to come up with the right words or be have the right confidence to really get on the phone, whether it be cold call. I mean, I used to pre COVID, I would cold call in person. I would go to stores along Madison Avenue, Mm -hmm. um, all the luxury stores. And I would get one name of a manager who liked my stuff. And then I would get recommendations to other stores and I would just keep going. And that is not easy. No calling especially in person but it has gotten me some of 
um, some really great accounts like Brunella Cuccinelli. I work with Roger Vivier and you have to have that, that mental toughness. Um, it's, it's scary to just keep putting yourself out there. I think the, the statistics are what, when you're working with uh, like a new customer, it's often, they have to like see your brand seven times before they buy and everything about what I'm doing is about quantity. You have to keep getting more and more and make more chocolate, sell more chocolate. So there's a lot of no's right. that go along with this. So it's just, um, and sometimes they affect me, you know, or if I get like a, sometimes I get an angry email because shipping can sometimes not, especially around the holidays, around Black Friday, especially during COVID when the whole world decided to ship. Sometimes people take it really like personally, if the shipping company doesn't do what they say they're going to do. Um, but I just have to, you know, not let, try to not let it affect me. Or if it does affect me, process it and then like move on. Cause you just gotta, gotta keep going. Mm-hmm. When, um, so when my daughter and I wouldn't a little side tangent, I don't like talking about myself when it comes to podcasts, but I have to add this in there because it has to do with my daughter. I told both my kids, whenever they turn 13, they can pick anywhere in the world that they want to go. My daughter picked New York City. So a few months ago, that's where we went. And we did a bakery tour because she loves baking as well. Nice. So we did a five, it was a bakery tour there in Hell's Kitchen. Mm-hmm. And in New York City, I mean, it was all within walking distance. These were five world-class bakeries just within walking distance. And I, I, I preface that by saying how important was it or is it that you were in New York City living your, your dream? I think it definitely helps because being in a city, there's like, I get a lot of support actually from the Made in New York City organization. They, they helped make um, my first like branded video. I won a contest and I got my first professional video from them. There's also having an incubator kitchen. That's not something that you're going to find everywhere in the country, Mm -hmm. but in a place like New York city that wants to support um, entrepreneurs that definitely helped me get started. And that's what that is. It's a kitchen that kind of you, you rent it as you need it. So you buy per shift instead of having to pay a very large um, rent every month before you can really use the kitchen every day. So being in the city there, and there's a lot of not-for-profits that help. Uh, I've gotten a lot of, you know, pro bono support from law firms and um, marketing agencies being like a single self-funded female. So a lot of resources I think are in New York City compared to other places. I, I recently... Uh, door dashed an accelerator program in like three key cities. So New York, Washington, DC, and Chicago. And I was really mm. lucky to be um, accepted into the New York cohort. So yeah, I feel like cities can, they can be expensive, right? The downside is that it's, it's expensive the state sure. to like produce, but I try to just focus on the positive and all of the opportunities and also the amount of people. So like in the summer when it's very warm, I definitely focus most of my marketing efforts, you know, locally in New York City, 
New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, like that area, there's so many people that can keep the business going and I can easily ship to them overnight with like the heat. So it's, mm. it's nice having a lot of people in a concentrated area mm-hmm. with so many businesses and, and people around to support. And New York is just such a, just such an electric city. It's so cool. It's all I know. It's where I grew up. Yeah. But, and I probably, I'm not going to leave just because my parents are here and I feel I, they're integrated now. So my father works in the kitchen with me. My mom is always um, helping out. She works for the airlines. And when she does something nice for a client and they say, you know, can I, uh, you know, can I buy you something or, or what can I do to say thank you? She often gives them my business card and says, if Wonderful. you buy something, buy my, buy my daughter's chocolate. And she's gotten me some good accounts just through that. So, Absolutely. So I can't leave them now. I'm in, I'm in, I got to take care of my parents. So I'm, I'm does she, ha- does she have any ideas of bringing like any, uh, any grape nuts into the <laughs> repertoire at all? She really likes the chocolate. She's, she's supportive. They were actually terrified um when i decided this idea because they were like you know there was no entrepreneurs in the in the family uh-huh. i was the first of my siblings i was the third to actually graduate college um Rutgers, my, right yeah i went to Rutgers, get an undergraduate degree so it was really it was scary for them um because it's they only they only know the concept of just work really really hard for someone else and and try to get promoted. And I did, I did do that for, for 12 years. I had like nine right. different positions, but I guess just getting, um, getting kind of kicked out of that system made me want to find a different way. Who, who was it when you were going on this journey, especially starting out, who was it that, was there somebody that said, that came alongside and said, absolutely, you can do this. And with that, was there somebody that said, you know what, Malene, this is not going to be a good idea. Um, the, I start to surround myself with like a lot of different people in the food industry and different entrepreneurs. They were all like very supportive. I mean, I had one advisor to not for profit that helped me kind of, you know, set out my first budget. And I was always very familiar with pricing and finances, but then just getting the money myself and what I need to start. I was just running something that was huge and massive. So I never did like the truly startup. So it's almost like he kind of shielded me from some of the bigger things that would come later on, I think on purpose so that I would just get kind of focused and confident kept, yeah. yeah, and build my confidence. Let me know I could do it. I would say he didn't think it was a good idea. It was definitely my family. They were, they were scared. Um, some of, you know, people that I had worked with too, they were, they were concerned and, you know, starting something brand new takes time and it does take, you know, a lot of money. So I, I was fortunate that I was able to take like a full year off and just like focus on that. But then I also had to like face reality that, you know, I am, I'm an adult. Um, I was, I was in my um, like mid thirties when this was all happening and I wasn't going to like move back in with my parents. So I, I had to do, you know, different things on the side, um, consult just to, to keep like myself personally afloat because, um, as I, you know, as I was growing a kitchen rent, storage space, hiring employees, you know, as sales continued to grow and we always had, you know, 
exponential growth each year, mm-hmm. it also goes out to, you know, the people and the vendors and suppliers. So I think once I was able to prove to my family that like, they didn't have to worry about me, that I could keep myself sustained and keep this business growing, they, they started to like, to get on board. And then even, you know, my father was kind of forced into retirement, I have him in the kitchen, and you know, they're able to then get a little bit more money in their pocket, which Mm -hmm. um, is really helpful for them. Like he grew up in the projects in Harlem. Um, He's like a true New Yorker. So they, you know, they don't, they don't have much, but they, they give what they can. And that's like a lot of support and, um, and helping spread the word. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Melaine, cause I absolutely love your story where, what's the vision now? What does the future hold and, and where do you see your company going? In terms of, so I definitely been hitting a sweet spot lately with, uh, women organizations. Mm-hmm. So I'm definitely starting to market more to, to women, right? Women tend, I mean, men like chocolate, but women tend to really kind of go crazy for chocolate, except for like men buying gifts for women on different holidays. Women tend to be the, I feel like the, a little bit more passionate about it. So targeting more marketing towards these women organizations. Recently, we had a lot of success with DVF, Diane von Furstenberg. We did two events in her store in the last month that was supported by two women's organizations and just really great feedback. And I've learned, cause when I first started, it's almost like you think everyone's your customer and you just kind of try everything. And sure. then I'm starting to now go after where there's the least resistance and the most excitement. Mm-hmm. And that tends to be more of women organizations, women leaders and corporations. So definitely going after that. We've been mostly B2B in the past, I'm starting to dig a little deeper into B2C. So I recently hired a digital agency to help us with just some of that advertising and, and marketing to really dig down and see like, who is our, who is our true customer? So mm-hmm. definitely growing in terms of more um, B2C. We are wholesale. We're in more specialty stores. We're in like a few, a few whole foods, but we, we do best in more luxury premium settings where we're not in direct competition with other brands. So I know, you know, it, I appreciate learning experiences of being in whole foods and some of these larger stores, but it's a lot of work. It's a lot of in-store activations, coupons to kind of convince people to buy necessarily our brand over another brand. So going after more like we're in Soho House Hotel and their mini bars sells really well because people understand this is a luxury item. It's in the right setting and they don't necessarily Mm. mind paying a premium price. So going Mm -hmm. after, after kind of more channels like that. And so educate us because we're going to have some listeners that obviously go to the website they're going to order goddess or whichever one they want. Teach us one thing about like pairing the chocolates. 
Like oh. someone goes and they order a goddess, like what, what's, what's way like we pair it or, or what's a way that we can learn about that? So the goddess has the mints very refreshing and then the hibiscus is very tart. So in pairing, if you pair that with like a cheese, a goat cheese goes really, really well. Um, mm. It's creamy. It's almost like a blank canvas to kind of um, balance out these tart and refreshing notes. The goat cheese also has like a hint of lemon, which is also tart, which tends to complement the hibiscus mint truffle. In terms of a, of a wine, think of like um, a crisp white wine, like a Sancerre. Um, the mineralities in that tend to blend well with the mint and it's a very refreshing kind of tasting profile when you kind of put those three things together, the hibiscus mint truffle, the goat cheese and the, the white wine. Um, our bar that goes really well with that too is the Sicilian salted lemon. Again, and like thinking of like the tartness, um, yeah. in lemons that then goes back really well. And I mean, I've done pairings where people actually put like the goat cheese on top of the bar and they, mm. they're just very, very, um, very happy. There's, there's quite mm -hmm. a look of satisfaction and pleasure on their face as they're, as they're eating that. Cause we, yeah, we do a lot of pairings, cheese, wine, we've done beer, I want to get into a little bit more of like coffees and, and teas as well for people who don't necessarily. Oh yeah. And it's a lot of, um, when you're doing pairings, right. There's finding tastes that complement. So finding kind of two things that complement are two things that contrast. Mm. Like we have a, a rosemary chocolate bar. And then if you take that and kind of put that with a sweeter wine, those two kind of contrasting notes tend to pair really well. Mm -hmm. Putting that with like a port wine, with the rosemary chocolate bar um, and like a blue cheese. Bailey Hayes and blue cheese. Would be like oh, that's fantastic. Want to listen to your favorite music, but you're sick of all the commercial interruptions and negative news today. Tune in to KukoRadio.com. Music for your mindset. We're a commercial-free online radio station. Playing nothing but hits. Our free iOS and Android apps are available for download at KukoRadio.com. Yeah, absolutely love it. <laughs> I mean, what questions should I be asking that, that I just haven't asked? I guess, what else do we do other than the truffles, maybe? Because I've just mentioned the bars, but we have, and I've spoken so much about this cream and butter, and I forget about all the, the vegans that are growing in, um, in numbers that, you know, don't want to consume animal products. So we do support that with with chocolate bars so there's like a similar concept where we're taking real you know fruits nuts herbs and spices and we're just tempering them directly into the chocolate bar so there's no cream or butter oh okay and then they naturally last longer so like the truffles are only good for about two to three weeks because there's no um there's nothing 
the glucose tends to add like preserve the shelf life. I don't want to add glucose. So it makes right. it shorter, but it kind of goes back to right in France. If you go there, you're supposed to eat a croissant on the day it's made. They're supposed mm-hmm. to sell out similar concept with the truffles. The bars are a nice contrast to that where they can naturally last longer. There's no perishables in it. And that we have like a rosemary, Sicilian salted lemon, mm. coconut and kefir, lime leaf, pistachio, and dark chocolate. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And and, and, yeah, go ahead. And the concepts like behind putting that, you know, the flavors together, um, I always kind of ground each assortment from like my fashion training. So it's also so many things you learn in one industry that you don't really think can apply to another. So in fashion, everything was about a product pyramid and like the bulk of your business would be say like your basics, like a, say a black and white t-shirt. And then like your, um, your fashion core would be a, like a blue shirt still sell a lot, but you know, not as basic as a black and white. And then you'd have like at the top of the pyramid, say something, you know, high fashion, pink polka dots. Right. Mm-hmm. So I try to ground each assortment that way when I make like the, the dark chocolate and the pistachio would be like that core, the most understandable. And then the coconut and kefir lime leaf would be like your, your core fashion. And then the, what would be a, a little bit more like the foodies would enjoy, right. Is the Sicilian salted lemon and the rosemary. Cause taking a dark chocolate, like all those bars are 70% taking spices that aren't sweet and that are savory with the dark is a, is a little bit daring. Um, but once people try it, they say, you know what, this, this tastes really good. Like rosemary and chocolate. Sometimes I can do a pairing with all truffles and all bars. And a lot of people leave saying, the rosemary bar is my favorite. So it's, it's not going to be for everyone, but there's definitely something for everyone in the assortment. Yeah. Melaine, I do this podcast for my own benefit because I love learning and you've taught me so much. <laughs> I mean, I really, yeah, absolutely. I mean, thank you so much for joining us and, and I really appreciate it. We're going to put the links there and um, wishing you all the best. And I know we'll definitely be in touch, but thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. For listening to Mental Toughness with Dr. Rob Bell. To find out more about Dr. Rob, visit his website at drrobbell.com or follow him on Twitter at Dr. Rob Bell. And subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform to get the next episode of Mental Toughness as soon as it's available. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.